War and Peace, Book 9, Chapter 5, read for LibriVox.org by Martin Seeloff. Devout was to Napoleon what Arakcheyev was to Alexander. Though not a coward like Arakcheyev, he was as precise, as cruel, and as unable to express his devotion to his monarch except by cruelty. In the organization of states, such men are necessary, as wolves are necessary in the organism of nature, and they always exist, always appear, and hold their own however incongruous their presence and their proximity to the head of the government may be. This inevitability alone can explain how the cruel Arakcheyev, who tore out a grenadier's mustache with his own hands, whose weak nerves rendered him unable to face danger, and who was neither an educated man nor a courtier, was able to maintain his powerful position with Alexander, whose own character was chivalrous, noble, and gentle. Balashov found about, seated on a barrel in the shed of a peasant's hut, writing. He was auditing accounts. Better quarters could have been found him, but Marshal Devout was one of those men who purposely put themselves in most depressing conditions to have a justification for being gloomy. For the same reason, they are always hard at work and in a hurry. How can I think of the bright side of life when, as you see, I am sitting on a barrel and working in a dirty shed, the expression of his face seemed to say. The chief pleasure and necessity of such men when they encounter anyone who shows animation, is to flaunt their own dreary, persistent activity. Devout allowed himself that pleasure when Balashov was brought in. He became still more absorbed in his task when the Russian general entered, and, after glancing over his spectacles at Balashov's face, which was animated by the beauty of the morning and by his talk with Murat, he did not rise or even stir, but scowled still more and sneered malevolently. When he noticed in Balashov's face the disagreeable impression this reception produced, Devout raised his head and coldly asked what he wanted. Thinking he could have been received in such a manner only because Devout did not know that he was the adjutant general to the Emperor Alexander, and even his envoy to Napoleon, Balashov hastened to inform him of his rank and mission. Contrary to his expectation, Devout, after hearing him, became still surlier and ruder. "'Where is your dispatch?' he inquired. "'Give it to me. I will send it to the emperor.' Balashov replied that he had been ordered to hand it personally to the emperor. "'Your emperor's orders are obeyed in your army, but here,' said Devout, "'you must do as you're told.' And, as if to make the Russian general still more conscious of his dependence on brute force, Devout sent an adjutant to call the officer on duty." Balashov took out the packet containing the emperor's letter and laid it on the table, made of a door with its hinges still hanging on it and laid across two barrels. Devout took the packet and read the inscription. You're perfectly at liberty to treat me with respect or not, protested Balashov, but permit me to observe that I have the honor to be the adjutant general to his majesty. Devout glanced at him silently and plainly derived pleasure from the signs of agitation and confusion which appeared on Balashov's face. "'You will be treated as is fitting,' said he, putting the packet in his pocket, left the shed. A minute later the marshal's adjutant, de Castres, came in and conducted Balashov to the quarters assigned him. That day he dined with the marshal at the same board on the barrels. Next day, Devout rode out early, after asking Balashov to come to him, peremptorily requested him to remain there, to move on with the baggage train should orders come for it to move, and to talk to no one except the Monsieur de Castres. After four days of solitude, ennui, and consciousness of his own impotence and insignificance, particularly acute by contrast with the sphere of power in which he had so lately moved, and after several marches with the marshal's baggage and the French army, which occupied the whole district, Balashov was brought to Vilna, now occupied by the French. 
through the very gate by which he had left it four days previously. Next day, the imperial gentleman-in-waiting, the Comte de Trenne, came to Balashov and informed him of the Emperor Napoleon's wish to honor him with an audience. Four days before, sentinels of the Preobrazhensk regiment had stood in front of the house to which Balashov was conducted, and now two French grenadiers stood there in blue uniforms, unfastened in front and with shaggy caps on their heads, and an escort of hussars and uhlans, and a brilliant suite of aides-de-camp, pages, and generals who were waiting for Napoleon to come out, were standing at the porch, round his saddle-horse and his family Rustan. Napoleon received Balashov in the very house in Vilna from which Alexander had dispatched him on his mission. End of chapter 5